I'm so excited to introduce you to our very first guest on the Busy Years podcast, my friend Bridget Cum, who is an amazing, multifaceted entrepreneur who's multi-passionate and has multiple businesses. Bridget is a wife and mama to two sweet kids. Also the owner of Statement Boutique. Two years ago, this mompreneur purchased a local boutique and less than two years later opened two more locations. Running boutiques is just one of Bridget's business ventures from rental properties to a chicken operation. You heard that right. She's a boutiquing chicken farmer, my friends, and I cannot wait for her to share her wisdom on what it looks like to be a multi-passionate entrepreneur and run multiple businesses. Are you ready? Here we go. Hi there. I'm Jenna Kutcher. I'm the host of the Gold Digger Podcast, and I'm so excited that you're hearing me right now because that means that I get to introduce you to my friend, Michelle Hagen, and her podcast, The Busy Years. Michelle is a mama on a mission dedicated to inspire other women to chase their dreams and their passions no matter what season of life they're in. And I've gotten the privilege to mentor and coach Michelle. She was one of my top 10 students in my community of over a thousand women, and she helped lead and inspire other mamas just like you. And now you, my friend, you get a front row seat. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired. Hi, I'm Michelle, a sales and profitability strategist, mentor, and captain of your cheering squad. But most importantly, I'm a Midwest wife and mama to two spirited boys, and I'm a lover of learning, family vacations, and nap time. I built my business between the moments of motherhood, and I know that you can do it too. Being a mama is hard, and no one should have to do it alone. That's why I'm bringing women together to share their stories of motherhood, business, and blessings. So grab your coffee, wash your dishes, hey, even take a shower. Because we can do this, friend, in the middle of motherhood. You're listening to the Busy Years Podcast, where motherhood and business meet. Come tired, leave inspired. Bridget, I am so excited to have you on the show. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am so excited for you to share your story. You guys, Bridget has one of... I think the most unique stories of anyone that I know, um, <laughs> her entering into motherhood and the businesses that she has and how her and her husband work together. It is such a unique story. And I'm so excited for you guys to just hear her story. So Bridget, why don't you tell us about your journey into multiple entrepreneurship and being a mom at the same time? Uh, yeah, so motherhood came first, um, unplanned, and we I didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, being a mom was not my top priority in life, and I was kind of thrown into it. And uh, her, so for Ava's first year, um, I was finishing up my senior year of college. And then my husband decided he wanted to move back to his family's farm and take over his, their business. And I felt like 
I don't even know what we're going to do, but sure, I'll go along for the ride. Um, I was born and raised in Omaha, and I don't think I'd ever been on a farm my whole life. <laughs> so when he said, let's move to the farm, it was like, uh, no, let's move to the town that was like half an hour from the farm. So we did that and bought a house and I didn't really know what I was going to do. I was a marketing and HR major and I applied for tons of jobs and I was either overqualified or underqualified. There was nothing. We were coming off the 08 crash and there were no jobs. So I was kind of stuck between do I make $10 an hour and try and work my way up in some company so I could be hired internally for a job I actually want. Or do I just stay home? So we kind of put a pen and paper to the numbers and decided that I was going to stay home. And I knew in my heart that was just not what I wanted to do. I was I didn't put, bust my butt for all those years to be in school to stay home. I loved Ava, but that just wasn't my true end-all be-all was to be a stay-at-home mom. So the first year I really took mom, being a mom, seriously. I learned to cook. I learned to do all these things. We had like preschool and the whole thing. And then by the second year I was like, okay, this is not me. I can't do this anymore. (laughs) So my husband and I had been, well, yeah, we had been saving some money and we were talking on how we wanted to invest it and we bought a rental house. And that was like the first step into us being entrepreneurs, um, you know, cause he was working for his family and they are entrepreneurs. And I came from an entrepreneurial background, but that was our first step of taking our own money and doing something with it. And so we bought this rental house and it was like perfect because Ava was two and a half. She could come with me when I did open houses. She could come with me when I had to do checkups on the house and it gave me something to do, but it wasn't um, full-time where I needed daycare or anything like that. And then that kind of sparked something definitely in me, but also my husband. And five months later, we bought another rental house. And so between the two that kept me pretty busy. And then, um, that following spring, so she would have been like three and a half, my husband's family, they're chicken farmers. So he had an offer. We got a call one Monday morning that a big chicken operation in Iowa needed someone to build barns to raise the baby birds. And that was on a Monday. And by Friday, we were in Minnesota touring barns and we were rolling. Um, So that one was probably the scariest job that we'd ever or business we've ever taken on because we needed a lot of capital. We needed a big loan. And I think that's where I really learned how to do things right and how you have to set up a business in order for it to be successful. So that took about nine months to build those. Um, We opened those. We ran those. Well, we still do, but we ran those for a few years. And then we had our son. And after he was born, we had the opportunity to buy a boutique. And same thing. We contacted the seller and started rolling on it very quickly, bought it. And then from there we expanded. 
So. I think that it's important to give people a picture because they cannot see you. <laughs> and you guys, I have been friends with Bridget since we were in, in kindergarten. Bridget is not a farmer. Bridget, <laughs> I had never seen Bridget wear anything but high heels. And she still only wears high heels into <laughs> the chicken true. coop barn. Um, and so for them to take on this business and for Bridget to say like, I'm a chicken farmer was so funny, like in that time that it happened, but it has just been amazing to watch how you blossomed into like just owning that business. Um, I would love for you to touch on when you and Devin bought the boutique, what that looked like and how Devin supported you in that. Um, yeah, that was kind of, it was hilarious really looking back on it. Um, well, I had a six month old and we were laying in bed trying to get him to sleep and I, you know, doing the normal Facebook scroll and saw this boutique that was in our area was for sale. And I flipped my phone around to him and I said, Hey, want to buy a boutique? And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, Oh, this store is for sale. And he said, really? And I said, yeah, want to buy a boutique? And I mean, I was half kidding. I wasn't expecting his response. And he said, well, I think you'd be really good at it. You should call her. And I kind of paused like, really? And he said, yeah, I mean, everyone's always asking you fashion advice and you're always the one dressed up and, you know, I think you'd be good at it. And so that was at probably 730. I texted the girl that was selling it and I had a phone call with her that night at 8.30 and we talked for probably an hour, hour and a half, um, just asking, you know, kind of the basic questions. And literally from that day forward, we started proceeding with everything we needed to do, you know, legally and getting our loan set up and that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it was kind of, it started as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> And what was a joke, so you had one boutique, and you now have three boutiques in yes. two different states. So tell us what that looked like, going from one boutique to then having a boutique in another state, and then a boutique. I mean, two of the boutiques are literally hours from you, right? Uh, so one of the, two of them are each a half an hour away from me in different directions, and then one of them is two hours from me. Um, the second boutique started as a joke as well. <laughs> You'll find a theme as in everything my life. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, this epic flood hit our area in, uh, so it would have been a year ago and we had to go to Sioux Falls because we built a house from hell and we had to go finalize some things up in Sioux Falls for our house and uh, Devin said, let's drive down. They have a big dam in this one area. And he said, let's drive by the dam because they had opened all the gates up. So the flood wasn't worse than what it already was. Well, when we went to turn, the street was closed. And I, he's like, oh, well, let's just go to Sioux Falls. And I said, drive down the, through Yankton's downtown. And he literally looks at me and goes, why? And I said, I just want to drive around. And he's like, mm-hmm, why? And I said, well, I think Yankton is about five years behind Norfolk, where our first boutique is. And I want, I want to be on the front end of that instead of on the back end. 
And he said, I don't think we have time for this. We're right on the heels of planting because he's also a crop farmer. And he said, I don't think this is a good time. And I said, yeah, I, I get that, but just drive around. So we're driving around and we found this building and it was perfect. It was small, which I wanted. And um, it had been redone. It was really cute. And he said, I'll make you a deal. If you can get a six month lease, we'll do it. And I'm thinking in my head, oh yeah, he's safe saying that. No one's going to give a commercial property a six month lease. So I called right then and there because he had to switch the car seat around. There was, it was acting weird. And I called and talked to the lady and I said, I don't know if you'd even be willing to do this, but if you could sign a six month lease that I could just try it out. And she said, absolutely. And I looked back at him and I could just see his face kind of like, Oh, here we go. (laughs) So that's literally how that store started. And so within less than a month, we were open. We, once we decide something, we definitely hit the ground running. Mm -hmm. So, and then in that same year of opening your Yankton store, you've also opened a store in Omaha. Yes. And so you have three stores in how many years? Two. Which is crazy. Like that doesn't normally happen, right? No, it doesn't. And hindsight, I probably would have taken one extra year before Omaha just to mentally go, but that's also not my style. When I have an opportunity, we go. Mm -hmm. And my husband's kind of the same way. So it's kind of that, like, let's go while we have the opportunity and then figure it out as we go um, Mm -hmm. for some of it, because we had the model. So we just had to implement it. Um, But yeah, so we did three stores in two years. With at the time when you started the Norfolk store, you had a six month old. So tell me what that looked like having kids and building three stores and how that impacted you as a mom and a business owner. Um, I honestly think it made me a better mom because I think for me, when my heart wasn't fully in being a stay at home mom, it was very easy to not do the things with my kids that I think I should have been doing. It was, you know, easy to sit on the couch, watch them play and scroll through my phone or, you know, do those kind of things. Um, and then once I was distracted with something I loved, it was, you know, then my time with them was much more intentional. That was, I knew how busy I was getting. So I wanted to sit down and play with them. I wanted to read to them. I wanted to, you know, do those things with them. So it made me way more intentional than before when I had all this time with them. I took my time with them for granted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so we're going to pivot into Bridget today is going to talk to us about some of her key steps in being a multi-passionate entrepreneur and opening, opening multiple businesses and her tips for what that looks like and while working alongside your spouse. So Bridget, I will go ahead and let you tell us all of your wisdom. Oh gosh. Okay. Um, so I think the first thing you have to be prepared to do is do the legal side of things. Um, I think you just need to know that that is a startup cost and you need to spend that money, whether you're getting a loan or you're doing this on your own, you need to either save the money to have a lawyer or put that into your 
startup cost and your loan and get a lawyer. Um, I think that you have to do that to protect yourself and your family and anything that you're building. Um, so when we bought our rental houses, we did not set it up immediately. We bought our house, set up the bank account, and then we bought our second house, set up the bank account. And, um, I did very in-depth detailed contracts with our tenants, but legally we were not set up as if someone were to get hurt, they could come after us personally. And then when we did our barns, um, that was just such a bigger beast of a business to start. So we spent the money to put it in an LLC and to have a lawyer negotiate out the contract for us. And then, you know, talk to an accountant about should it be an LLC, an S corp, a C corp, you know, those are the things that you, you just have to do it. Um, I think a lot of people, especially when you're starting as a side hustle, they don't necessarily want to spend that money and that's really the only way you're going to protect everything you're trying to build. Um, so then when we started the boutiques, we went to the same lawyer right away. He set it up and he negotiated out our contract again, set up our LLC. And we just, there's such a relief of knowing it was done right instead of um, worrying about, okay, I did this and I think I did it right, but is it actually registered with your state correctly or is your name trademarked? That kind of stuff. Um, so I think building that relationship with a lawyer, especially if you think you want to do multiple businesses is very important. And I think it's, it's that's not the place you want to cut costs on. Mm. Um, so that would be my first tip especially for someone just getting started who is scared to spend money right away, which mm -hmm. I completely understand, but that's something that you want to do. I would say right up front or within the first year to mm -hmm. really protect yourself and your family. So would you say like even someone who is starting a blog to, and they know they're going to eventually have affiliate links, but maybe they haven't made a ton of money yet. Do they start that right away? Or would you say, to wait until you've had some income and then start that? I would, I would start it right away. I would call a lawyer. Um, they usually will give you a consultation free and get an idea. If you're not negotiating out a contract and they just have to set up a corporation for you, it's really not that much. Um, so I would call them and pick their brains. And I, the other thing that you can't be afraid of is what kind of lawyer you need. I hear this all the time of people like, well, I don't know if they really do that. You need a corporate lawyer. They can set up any LLC, no matter what you're trying to build, they can set up the LLC or the S corp, whatever it is around that. Um, like our lawyer had never done anything with chicken barns before, but he was able to set it up. He's never done anything with boutiques before, but he set it up. So I would do it right away. And like I said, if you're not negotiating anything out, it's really not going to be a huge expense. And I think if you are really um, computer savvy, try LegalZoom. I think it's $75 to set up an LLC. Mm -hmm. And that's going to protect everything you're trying to build. Right. Because um, just so if people don't understand or know, 
like when you start an LLC, it basically separates your personal finances from your business finances, which means if someone were to decide that you are at fault for something in your business, they can't go after the personal finances that you and your family have built. And vice versa. If something happens to someone personally, they, you know, a car accident or, you know, something like that, they can't go after your business. Um, uh, law background in her too, because you were going to be a lawyer at one point in life, right? Yeah. So I was pre-law all the way through the 08 crash, um, at Creighton. And then through the advice of some of my advisors, they said, hold off a little bit just because the crash was kind of causing an oversupply of lawyers and they weren't really getting jobs and that. And so I held off and then life got in the way. And so I took a different route, which mm -hmm. tends to happen, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's probably one reason I'm not scared of like the legal side of things because I, I, it can be intimidating, but I, it's something that if you are going to be an entrepreneur, you have to take care of yourself legally. How have you been feeling in this season? Do you kind of feel like that you just need a hard reset or some structure to your day to help you feel like you have been accomplishing everything you've wanted? My wonderful friend, Emma Hicks of Camp Climb came up with an amazing solution for us, my friends. A 28-day reset log for a fresh perspective and sustainable structure. This 58-page book is designed to bring you back home to yourself, finding joy in the ordinary, which steadily leads you to your own extraordinary. The Foundation for a Future You Workbook includes how-to examples for logging your days, your period, guided future planning tools, worksheets to prep you for your logging, and worksheets to help support your future vision casting. My friends, this is something that you need in this season of life. Head to shopcampclimb.com and use the code BUSYYEARS to receive $5 off of your purchase of a Foundation for a Future You workbook. Again, head to shopcampclimb.com and use the code BUSYYEARS. All right, so tell us what is your next tip? Um, I think the next tip is don't be afraid to diversify and don't let yourself get stuck in a box. Um, that's something I hear a lot with people that start one thing and then they think that they can't start something else because it doesn't make sense. I mean, I'm a boutiquing chicken farmer. <laughs> so I, I think that it's okay to do a lot of different things and not put yourself in a box of, you know, well, I started this blog. So now it doesn't make sense for me to become a real estate agent, or I started this and now this doesn't make sense. At the end of the day, it really is your bottom line and the numbers have to tell the story. So as long as that's all adding up, it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you want to do 10 different businesses, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's kind of where we are with our, I mean, we're kind of all over the place. And that's how I grew up. My dad, he was the pharmacist. He had eight pharmacies that naturally transitioned into, he had Hallmark stores attached to his pharmacies. And then he started buying 
um, the buildings or the strip malls that he was in. And then that turned into a huge land development business. Mm. But um, I think some of your one business can naturally turn into multiple businesses. You just have to let that happen. Right. And you have to be okay with pivoting. And, yes. Um, and I think it's even important to say when you talk about the pivoting and how so often in the first few years of business that like you pivot and then you pivot again. And when it doesn't work, you like pivot again. And I think it's yes. interesting in this point to even talk about in this season of quarantine, I have been so proud watching you like literally pivot your boutique, which you were online, but now like you're totally online Mm -hmm. and it's working for you. Yeah. So basically the day I figured out we're going to have to shut down, there's no way I can keep these stores going another day with what's happening and Douglas County's cases were, you know, really blowing up. So I knew I had to close the Omaha store, but then if I was going to close one, I just kind of needed to close all three. And from that day, I, it was a quick pivot. I hate being on camera. I hate, I'm very outspoken and, um, extroverted until the camera is around me. And I, that night I went home, we did a live, uh, sale and right away that worked. And then, um, I have been basically showing my whole life on Instagram and Facebook throughout all of this, just trying to create a connection with people so that, you know, even if they're interacting with me and they're not buying right now, when this is all over, they will choose to shop with me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm doing everything I really was dragging my feet on doing and like, Oh, I'll do it when I lose 10 pounds. Oh, I'll do it when I have makeup on. Oh, I'll do it when this happens. And then that day I didn't really have a choice. I had to just be there and be present and let my customers know I'm still here, but then also create a lot of connections and we're doing it. Mm -hmm. And you look so good, like doing it. Like you would never know that you were not the like fashion, like it's almost like, oh, Bridget's a fashion blogger and here's all of her fashion blogger friends, like sharing all of the clothes too. Like you fit right in so seamlessly. I have felt like. Thank you. And I kind of, I kind of woke up that week that we decided to be in quarantine or decided to shut the stores down and quarantine was starting and thought, why can't I do what influencers are doing? They're sharing their life to create a connection and then they're pushing um, the brands that are reaching out to them. Why can't I create that same exact thing, but push my own brand? I mm-hmm. built this brand. I'll push that. Mm-hmm. And it's working. Yeah. And it's working good. It's so good. I love it. Thank you. So tell us your next tip. Um, I think get yourself some industry besties. Um, Mm -hmm. is a huge tip. You need to have people that really truly are not scared of your success that you can bounce ideas off of and vent to because no one knows what it's like to be in your industry, but people in your industry. Mm -hmm. So if you're complaining to somebody who's never been in it, they don't understand like that social media can be brutal or they don't understand that boutiques can be very catty. Whatever it is, you need to get those people that are on your side no matter what, and they're in your corner, and you can 
really open up your, your best times with, but also the times when you need help and you're scared and you, you need those people. Um, and then you also have to find those people in your life that maybe necessarily aren't part of your industry, but they are there in your life to, they want you to succeed. And it's not always the people that you think it's going to be. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, even through the years, you and I have lost touch just with, you know, raising families and this and that. And I wouldn't have guessed two years ago that you'd be fully the one in my court that I could text and say, you know, what, what should I do about this? Or what do you think about this? And the way life brought us together, you are definitely one of those people that's like on my side, in my corner, I can run to and say, oh, this is happening. And I don't feel like the judgment is there, but more of the voice of reason of like, calm down, let's think this through. And you need the, you need those people. You need them in your industry and then you need them in your life. Yeah. And you kind of have to cut the rest out. It doesn't mean you have to never speak to them again, but you know, Yeah, I think it is. That's like so important. And it is true. Like how you and I have always had, we've just had a special friendship where like we've been friends forever and then we lose touch and then you're friends again in college and then life happens and you go, you know, you come back and it's like, you've never missed a beat. But I think that that point that you said is so important that you find people in your industry, but it's also just important to find people who are not in your industry, who, when things are getting hard can take like a high level view because I don't know everything about boutiques, but I, you know, I know enough that I can take a high level look and it's so important just like you don't necessarily know a lot, um, about the just marketing yourself only online, which you do now, but you know, and just kind of having that, okay, I, I, I feel like I'm failing right now and I can text you and you can be like, you're not stop it. You know, yes. um, calm down. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's so, so important. And I would encourage those people. And especially, I think it's hard um, sometimes because I have a lot of friends who say like, well, I'm my only entrepreneur person. None of my friends are entrepreneurs. I, they don't understand anything I'm talking about or what I'm going through. And so I think it's also important, like if you don't have those people that you know in your life, you need to go find them, whether it be in Facebook groups or connecting on Instagram, find people who are like-minded like you and make the digital connections because two of, I mean, my two best um, friends in my industry that are similar to me literally live across the country from me one of them I've only met because I happen to be in her town for work and the other one I have never met in real life but I know everything about her and she knows everything about me yep it's important to know that like you don't always have to have those people be physical like you don't have to physically touch like you and I hardly even see each other even though we live close it's just that's just how life is and knowing that that's okay to have those friendships too Yes, I completely agree with that. I think that, you know, however you're communicating, I there's a boutique in Nebraska that I've never met or never been out there. It's in Western Nebraska, but we communicate through Instagram all the time. And, you know, the other day she was approved for her stimulus uh, small business loan with everything going on. And 
you know, she was like, Hey, I got my check. Did you get yours? And then I explained to her why it didn't make sense for us to apply for it. And, you know, she kind of knows some of the ins and outs of my business and I do hers and there's, there's no competition there. It's just truly, I want her to succeed and she wants me to succeed. And it's, it's just a good feeling. But then yes, there's also the people like you who I can text and say, like, I feel like I'm spiraling. I'm doing all the things and I don't think I'm doing any of them well. Mm-hmm. And then you can say, no, you're in the throes of it. It's, it's working mm-hmm. to get a good night's sleep and then start tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And you need both sides of that. And they're not going to be the people you expect. That's yeah. just the reality of it. I, you know, you always think you have these great friends and they still could be great friends, but they're not going to be the true people in your corner going to bat for your business. Right. And I think how you touched on that, like, it's just like you're, you guys are in competition of having a boutique, but I love like the rising tide saying of community over competition, because I think a lot of people are afraid to reach out to other people in their industry because they're afraid that they're going to say like, well, they're not going to help me because we're in direct competition with each other. But it's remembering that it is the community over competition and that there are plenty of fish out there. Like yes. we could all be like, we could all be in a room of doing the exact same thing and our unique niche market might be just a little bit different, or we might even have the same market, but there are so many people that there are enough clients for everybody that we can share our wealth of knowledge and still all be successful. Yes. And that is the one thing when I opened the store, um, in the time that we negotiated out our purchase price and the eight weeks until we opened five other boutiques popped up at the exact same time. So I went from being the only show in town that I was buying to now I have some major competition. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone said, you're crazy with all these boutiques popping up left and right. What are you thinking? And I said, I don't wear an outfit. My whole outfit does not come from one store. Mm -hmm. I might buy jeans from Nordstrom and I might buy a jean jacket from a boutique and I might buy a shirt from Target. It's all coming from different places. Who cares if there's five of us? I'd rather there be five of us and we're a destination than me mm. and people forget about me. And I think that that's something that you have to really think about so that you don't become that person that doesn't want to work with anybody because you're so scared of the competition. But then I also think if you want to start a business, start it. You're going to, like you said, there's so many fish in the sea. So if you want to become an influencer, become an influencer. There's millions of people on Instagram they're going to start following you as long as you can be consistent and the stuff you're pushing is relevant and you're yourself. I think that's also the other key. You have to be yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Do you have any other tips? I feel like this has been such a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> um, I think that my other biggest tip is just to keep pushing forward, you're always going to feel like you're doing it wrong or you're not doing enough or you're being pulled in too many directions. 
And there's a give and take to everything in life, but it does all fall into place. I mean, my first four months with the store, I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm going to screw my kids up so bad because I'm just so busy trying to get this store going. And then we hit a phase where, you know, I could slow down a little bit and I could afford to hire more employees and, you know, then they had more of my attention. So I think you just have to kind of keep going and know that it is working. You just are so in the depths of it that you can't see that you are doing a good job. Mm, So, so true that it is. It's just, it's a lot of work, no matter what season of life you're in, starting a business is a lot of work, but to just keep pushing forward and to know that like, you're not a bad mom for following your dreams. Yes. And I think that that is very important, especially I think millennials, you know, we have a bad rap anyway. (laughs) <laughs> and now all millennials are getting to that point of they, they're not what we used to be described as. They all have jobs or starting businesses or doing this or that. And then, you know, our parents' generation is still kind of in that you should be home and they're like supportive, but not, and you just can't let all the noise get to you. You have to do what makes you happy and what ultimately that's going to be the best for your family. Mm-hmm. So true. Okay. So if a mom were to get in an elevator with you and they would say, Bridget, I'm a multi-passionate person. Could I start multiple businesses? Why should I even start a business? What would you say? A hundred percent. You can start multiple businesses. I would say, get out of that box of thinking. Um, because like I said, I am the boutique chicken farmer. <laughs> <laughs> um, And those two do not go hand in hand, but somehow we're making it work. Um, I would say, yes, you can 100% start multiple businesses and they can flow together or they don't have to do as long as you're passionate and you're putting the work in, it's going to work. And then I would say that there's really always room for you because whether you're a niche market or you're doing something that everybody else is doing, you're still doing it differently. So find what makes you different and go. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It doesn't mean you're a failure. Mm -hmm. Yes. So true. And that's, I think a lot of people are afraid of the failure and are like, well, people are going to judge me. And it's like, well, the people that are judging you are not your people then. Correct. And, you know, I think that with, especially when you do get into multiple businesses, I mean, we're not going to look back on our life and every business worked perfectly. There's going to be things that it's like, yeah, we tried that and that didn't work out. Yeah. And you have to just be okay with that. It's scary, but you have to do it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you will be stuck in a box that you're going to, you're going to regret being stuck in the box of you never tried it way more than you are. of You know what? I, I, at least I tried it and it didn't work, but I gave it my all. Right. And it's so interesting because I think people think like, oh, well, then you look at it as a failure. And like a lot of people don't know, like I literally had a property and casualty insurance agency for like six months and it just didn't work and it wasn't me, but it's part of my story and it's experience because Mm -hmm. most of your experience comes from your failures. Yes. And I think that really you can't grow if you don't have failure because if everything's working perfectly you're just going to keep on a status quo. And I think that when you fail, that's when you really grow. Or when you're scared, you're going to fail. Because even this COVID is a perfect example of 
the day I closed my stores for quarantine, I really felt like, am I going to have stores when I come back from this? Mm -hmm. And that's when I grew the most and stepped out of that box that I put myself in and really put myself out there so that I could grow my stores. Yeah. Oh, such good business advice. So good. Okay. So my last question is for you is if you could give advice to someone who's deep in the little years of motherhood, what would it be? It, you're in a season. It does pass. Ava's nine. And I look back on all the things I stressed about with her, whether it was her sleeping in her own bed, her bottle, all the bad advice people gave me about like, (laughs) oh, she's still on a bottle. Yes. Um, Or, you know, oh, she's not potty trained yet. All that stuff that you let get to you. It, no kid goes to school without being potty trained. No kid goes to school with a bottle or a pacifier or not sleeping in their own bed. So I think let it do what you feel in your heart is best and put the noise aside and it, it will, it works out. Ava's nine now. And I look back on it and think I was so stressed about her potty training and for what? Right. And now we have Royce who's going to be three and he's like, no, thank you. Every time I ask him if he wants to go on. That's, that's fine. That's <laughs> that year too. They're both three and he's like, nope, I wear my diapers. I'm fine. And I'm like, but don't you want this race car? He's like, nah. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. So just let it be. Oh, yes. such good advice. And I cannot wait for people to hear all of this wisdom that you just dropped. It was so good. And I'm so grateful for you coming and being on the show. Well, thanks for having me and taking a chance on me because you never know what I'm going to say. That is true. You guys will give a spoiler. Bridget, I have talked about that she may be like the first busy years after dark episode where (laughs) because you guys, she's got some funny stories. Holy cow, you guys. Wasn't that episode packed with so much goodness and so much great education for being a multi-passionate entrepreneur and what it looks like. To stay in touch with Bridget and Statement Boutique, you can go to statementdowntown.com. You can also find Bridget over on Instagram at statement.boutique and statementboutique on Facebook. I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I had recording it. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Busy Years Podcast. If you love this episode, we would love for you to share it with a friend. For this episode's show notes and all past episode show notes, head to michelleannhagen.com slash podcasts. Hey mama, did you need someone to remind you that you are worthy of your dreams? That you can take action in the middle of motherhood? I just wanted to pop in and give you another reminder, friend that you got this. You can do this in the middle of motherhood, no matter how busy the years get.